Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts do you love selena like really love whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Football Podcast. My name is Kyle Yates, and I am your host, and I am joined today by Matt Hicks. He can be found on Twitter at the FF underscore educator. He is the host of the Rookie Big Board Podcast, and he is a good friend in the industry. Matt, how are we doing, brother? I'm doing great, Kyle. It's always a good time when I can jump on and talk, and talk football with you. Absolutely, man. Well, let's uh, let's waste no time here. Let's get right into the conversation here. I wanted to kind of take some of the recent news that is happening here and just get your overall opinions here on a big topic right now. And we're not going to go the macro level view of this. I want to take a uh, specific angle to this. But of course, the the recent news here is Deshaun Watson is looking like he is going to be traded here leading up to the November 2nd NFL trade deadline. And the very specific angle that I want to take about this and asking you this question is, is it time to sell Jalen Hurts in Superflex Dynasty Leagues? Because there is the possibility here that the Philadelphia Eagles are involved in trade conversations for Deshaun Watson. Now, depending on when you you listen to this, you might know more information. There might be something that breaks after we record or whatever. Like the case may be, we might get some clarity here as we move throughout the week. But I wanted to at least take this specific angle and ask you that question. Is it time to sell Jalen Hurts in Superflex Leagues? I think you're working on borrowed time one way or the other. Maybe you get the rest of the season with Jalen Hurts, but right now Philadelphia has Miami's pick. They're picking second overall. Uh, they have another pick right now 13th if the draft was today. You have to imagine that the Eagles are going to be looking to move on from Jalen Hurts. And now it, I'll give Hurts credit. I expected them to move on before this year's free agency and offseason. They gave him the shot, and for fantasy purposes, he's produced – I don't think that's necessarily translated on the NFL side of things. So if I am a Jalen Hurts owner, I'm going to cash out whatever I can get for him now. If you could get a one, fantastic. If you can get a pair of twos, maybe a three in there. I think that's what I would be looking to do with Jalen Hurts. It's interesting because from a redraft perspective, it's like, well, if I'm in a one quarterback league, like I might as well just ride it out, right? Uh, the replacement value from a redraft perspective is, well, I can just go pick up someone else on the waiver wire or stream the quarterback position if we do get word that Deshaun Watson has been traded to the Philadelphia Eagles and I have Jalen Hurts. It's a different conversation from a dynasty perspective, right? When we have, we have to make these moves ahead of time before the bottom just simply falls out on our value of Jalen Hurts. Because if Watson does end up in Philadelphia, Jalen Hurts isn't getting a starting job anywhere else. Like he hasn't proven based on what he's put on film this season that he's deserving of a starting role anywhere else in the NFL. So I, I think that if we do, if we have hurts right now, I think now is the time to get out because the bottom is about to fall out. I completely agree with you. All right, let's move on to uh, some sell high players here. But before we do, I want to remind everyone that we have 
a giveaway going on courtesy of our friends at Pristine Auction. That is a Javante Williams signed Denver Broncos helmet. This uh, information for this uh, giveaway can be found at fantasypros.com slash dynasty contest. All you have to do is head over to Apple Podcasts or CastBox, leave a review for this show, then head over to that link, fantasypros.com slash dynasty contest, and fill out the short form there and attach a screenshot of your review. The deadline for that is October 31st. So this is your last chance to get entered into that giveaway. Again, that is a Javante Williams signed helmet giveaway. Let's go to sell high players here. I'm going to turn this over to you, Matt, for your first player. Who is a sell high player that you were looking to cash out on based on what they have put up here in week seven or maybe in a few of the, uh, the recent weeks here? Yeah, first guy I'm going to throw out here is somebody that I'm looking to move. And Kyle, this breaks my heart because this is a player that I have been high on. And I want to preface this by I'm kind of taking the, the selling perspective here for if I was uh, somebody who maybe your team is right in the middle here, you're four and three, you're three and three, you don't, you don't, you're not quite sure, you know, you're two and four, you're not really going to make that playoff run you thought you were at the beginning of the season. Somebody who I was very high on and he even exceeded my preseason expectations is Austin Eckler. And I like Eckler, but the reason I do is because when you plug him into the projections, Kyle, you see a lot of volume. And you see a perfect opportunity there in a high-charged offense, no pun intended. <laughs> now, when you go and look at Austin Eckler, it's difficult to project that production moving over the next two or three years. So when I'm looking at a rebuilding team, I'm looking to sell volume because contenders should be chasing volume. So I'm looking to sell that volume and let's get some youth talent back here. Maybe you can get one of the you know, younger running backs from this year's class plus, right? Uh, maybe go after Travis Etienne, whose value has dropped off significantly because of the injury. Maybe you get Travis Etienne plus a first round pick and you could kind of rebuild your team a little bit more long term with talent as opposed to volume necessarily right now. Yeah, and I think Eckler is that perfect example of like, depending on wh where your team is, and you you lay that out perfectly of depending on where your team is, you are either going to really need Austin Eckler, or you're probably not going to eat need Eckler moving forward. So you might as well sell him and get some valuable assets in return. Uh, for me, I'm going to go I'm going to stick at the running back position, I'm going to go with Khalil Herbert here, the Chicago Bears running back. Now, Khalil Herbert has looked fantastic. I mean, you do not look into running for 100 yards on the ground against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, run defense without having some talent to your name, right? And of course, Khalil Herbert makes it even more impressive that he's doing this as a sixth round rookie. However, the issue here with Khalil Herbert is I think that once David Montgomery comes back, we're going to see Herbert move back to a change of pace role. Now, we will see him factor in, and especially long term, I do think that he's done enough to prove that he can carve out a significant role in this offense. However, we're thinking long term here as far as our value an evaluation of Herbert. And I just don't know what his volume is going to be to the point where is that going to offer weekly flex value for right now? There are some people who believe that he is going to be like a 50 50 split here with David Montgomery. I've heard him. I've seen the people on Twitter talking about it. And I just do not believe that to be the case. When Montgomery is healthy, he is going to receive the majority of the touches in this backfield. Herbert can be really good, but I just don't know if that's going to equate to a weekly flex play or even a weekly RB2, right? Where some people are talking about him long-term. I think he's going to have a role. I just don't think that that role is going to lead to weekly uh, week in and week out fantasy value. So you give me your thoughts here on Herbert really quick. Is he someone that you were looking to sell high on as well? Yeah. I mean, Herbert, I got to tell you, he's somebody who I stashed in a lot of spots. He was high up on the rookie big board relatively. He had some really nice college tape. I liked what Chicago was doing with, with him early on. A nice sign that I like to look for special teams. Uh, he had a great preseason. So I liked Khalil Herbert. Uh, but that being said, you know, you're drafting him in the third or fourth round. If you could flip him for a two right now, you're gonna you're in a good spot. You made your money back. Let's cash out. Because you're right, Kyle. The Chicago Bears have done nothing but show us that they want to run the ball through David Montgomery. Uh, and although Khalil T Herbert is talented, once he comes back and he's healthy, there's only going to be so much left over for Herbert. And, you know, in three months, you're not going to be able to get a second round pick for him. So right. if you want to cash out, cash out now. Yep. This is the perfect time to do that. All right. Let's turn it back over to you for your second sell high player. Well, I think we're going to see a little bit of theme here as I'm going through my buys and my sells. I, I really like to hone in on the younger guys. And, and one guy that I'd be looking to sell right now uh, is Ramondre Stevenson. And it's not a popular opinion. I know because... Uh, fantasy Twitter is ablaze with the love for Ramondre Stevenson. Now, I'll preface this to say I was lower than most on him coming out. I didn't love his college tape, 
But in the preseason, he did. He looked faster than his college tape. He looked more agile. But remember, he was also running primarily against the third and fourth team guys. Now, you know, but certainly I'm ready to be proven wrong at all times. So I've, I've been tracking him over the course of the season here. He's getting a lot of hype. It's based on very little production. 2.8 yards per carry through this point. He's only touched the ball 22 times, 21 times. And, you know, every week we get a soundbite from a New England coach hyping him up, saying they got to get him more touches. <laughs> well, J.J. Taylor's touched the ball 17 times. That's not the, that's not the you know, the range that I want to be in. We had to wait three years to get Damian Harris on the field. And I consider Damian Harris to be a much, much better prospect coming out. And Damian Harris has done nothing but produce. He's currently getting 65% of the workload. He's found the end zone five times. I don't see Ramondre Stevenson knocking Damian Harris off track. So, you know, I know a lot of folks are all in, especially teams looking to rebuild. Uh, even if you're a contender right now and you have Ramondre Stevenson stashed, I might flip him to somebody looking to rebuild because I think there's folks who might take that bait. Uh, I'm just not that high on Stevenson. Yeah, and as we look at our Dynasty ECR, which stands for Expert Consensus Ranking, which you can find over at FantasyPros.com, we look at Ramondre Stevenson, and his, he's RB47 in our Dynasty ECR. Some players around here that I want to at least get your opinion on and see which side of that you would rather have. So right now, in a you know, take context out of it, just in a vacuum. Would you rather have Ramondre Stevenson, or would you rather have Ronald Jones? I, I think there's more upside there with Ronald Jones. I might get me in trouble, but I, you know, I could see more long-term upside. Now, certainly that backfield's got to clear out a little bit, but it, that's a close one. Yeah, for me, I'm going to take Ronald Jones in that because he's also heading towards free agency this year. So True. we could see him sign somewhere else this offseason that is going to give him the opportunity. For me, I'm clearly taking Ronald Jones there. Uh, let's go with uh, someone like J.D. McKissick, who's at 51. Would you rather have Ramondre Stevenson or J.D. McKissick? You know, from the way that I build my dynasty rosters, which is very much an RB0 type build, J.D. McKissick is the type of guy I need to have on my roster. So I would take McKissick, who, you know, he's one injury away from being a running back two on the week. All right, let's go. Last one here. We just finished talking about it. Ramondre Stevenson at 47, Khalil Herbert at RB52. Which one would you rather have right now, Khalil Herbert or Ramondre Stevenson? Herbert was higher on the rookie big board coming out. I'd absolutely stick with Khalil Herbert. Yeah, for me, this New England Patriots backfield is just kind of a headache. We got Damian Harris cemented in there as the starter. And then outside of that, I mean, it's <laughs> Ramondre Stevenson being an, an inactive right this uh, this past week certainly doesn't help. So, yeah, I'd, I'm interested to see what the value is there as far as what you can sell him high for. But yet at the same time, I mean, if you are able to get out and there are you find someone who is a believer in what you can do then you definitely look to do that. For me, I'm going to go with Miles Gaskin here, sticking at the running back position. I talked about Miles Gaskin. Uh, let's guess, let's walk it back. Uh, three weeks ago, I think when he had a big blow-up performance afterwards, and I was like, you know what? This is time. Just get out on Miles Gaskin. And then he went down and, you know, had a terrible game. And then he rebounded. And then he, you know, terrible game. And then rebounded. And this has just really been a yo-yo for Miles Gaskin. But the key here is, as far as being able to sell high on Miles Gaskin is that Malcolm Brown also landed on IR today. So with an injury, and that has been kind of the main thing here is that you've had all three of these running backs really involved and it's limited Miles Gaskin's upside. But yet at the same time, now that Malcolm Brown is out of the picture, I don't know if we get any more clarity here. I think that Miles Gaskin is going to be fine, but I just really want to avoid this headache if I can. So I am looking to ship off Miles Gaskin if I am a rebuilding team I will gladly take a second round pick I will gladly take a uh, a wide receiver there a young wide receiver that I can kind of rebuild around someone just get Miles Gaskin off my dynasty rosters because we know that this is in the range of outcomes and it's nothing to do with Gaskin and his talent it's Brian Flores and what he is doing with this backfield that I want to avoid so Gaskin is my second sell high player here what do you think about that one yeah, look at the Miami backfield. One touchdown all season. It's Malcolm Browns. I mean, you can only do so much with a running back who's not going to consistently find the end zone, right? So I completely agree with you. A young wide receiver, uh, even a stashable quarterback in a second or third round pick. You know, I, I think those are, and you know, considering if you're playing in a super flex league, uh, how about like a fringe tight end? Uh, you know, maybe somebody is looking. I don't know if I should mention the name, Kyle. Maybe somebody's looking <laughs> to, to get out of Jonu Smith. Uh, right. Maybe you could flip Miles Gaskin over there. All of those are, are I think, good potential options for uh, getting just getting out of this Miami backfield. I, we're going to talk about it. There's parts of the Miami offense I want to be on. It's not the running back room. That is for sure. All right, let's go to your third sell high player. Yeah, this is one, and I know this almost sounds a little uh, easy of, of one to give, 
But I think sometimes in Dynasty, we get so focused in on the right now, the immediacy. If you step back and take a six-month view, if I told you six months ago, you could get a second-round pick, maybe even a first-round pick for Antonio Brown, I think you would take that 99 out of 100 times. Antonio Brown, he's on fire. He's wide receiver seven in points per game, wide receiver 23 in PPR. You have to go back to 2015 to find the last time he's played 16 games. And listen, I know there's other off-the-field reasons for that, but it, it, it holds to say that Tampa Bay is playing at a ridiculously high pace. One, you have to think that pace is going to come back, but two, can Antonio Brown's body hold up through the entire season? Can anybody's body who hasn't played a full 16-game season in five years, can that hold up through an entire season at, in playing at this high pace of a volume? I just don't see Antonio Brown's uh, price going up, his value going up at all for the rest of the season. And I, I would take a step back and I would flip him for, for what I can get. Yeah, so it's interesting, again, referencing our Dynasty ECR here, Antonio Brown is wide receiver 46. He's behind guys like Kadarius Tony, Michael Pittman Jr. at 41, which feels ridiculously low, but that's a separate conversation for a separate podcast. Uh, Elijah Moore at 40, you know, so Antonio Brown at 46 because of the age. I think that that's the main thing here, right? He's 33 years old. And this really comes back to, I think, where is your team? Are you contending? Then Antonio Brown is going to be a, a key piece because he's going to be productive. You have concerns about his longevity, but you know, as far as a, a one year player, he's going to be fine. He's going to help bring you to a championship, most likely with the way that he's been playing. But then you look further down the board and you say, OK, guys like Michael Gallup at wide receiver 47. Would you rather have Antonio Brown or Michael Gallup? Yeah, I think you'd have to go Michael Gallup, right? Right. And I think that even in a vacuum, no, no matter where my uh, no matter where my team is at, like I would probably prefer Michael Gallup just because he's also a player. I referenced Ronald Jones heading towards free agency. Michael Gallup is heading towards free agency as well. So we could see his stock dramatically increase. Two other players that I'll just throw to you really quick, Antonio Brown or Darnell Mooney or Henry Ruggs, which uh, are you taking Antonio Brown over either Darnell Mooney or Henry Ruggs? I would rather have either of those wide receivers over Antonio Brown and, and actually pretty easily. Those are two young wide receivers that I still like a ton. Yep, for sure. All right. So for me, my third sell high player, and this is really just looking to Take whatever I can get uh, for this player because this is a nether headache. This is Robert Tunyon, the tight end for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, now, this is going to be interesting here because Devontae Adams landed on the COVID list. We got that uh, news just before we started recording here tonight on Monday, where we know that Devontae Adams is like 99% out for the Thursday night matchup, just based on timing here, where he's not going to play in this game. So they're going, the Green Bay Packers are going to need Robert Tunyon again in this game. And this gives you a unique opportunity where if you, say you, you look at uh, some other teams that are in your league say okay do you want Robert Tunyon what would you be willing to offer me for him and you get you know just trash offers back and you might just hold on just one more week here and then look to sell Robert Tunyon off after he has another big performance here uh, or another at least solid game where people can now start to buy into the fact that okay this is a this is this usage is here to stay now because Robert Tunyon in five games so far this year has scored two or fewer fantasy points let me repeat that in five games, he has scored two or fewer fantasy points so far. He's had two games where he scored a touchdown and he had a decent performance. That's it. So this is really a situation where if I've had Tunyon on my roster, I haven't been able to move off of him because his value is, I mean, he's done next to nothing. But on a dynasty roster, you've been forced to hold on to him. This is the opportunity to sell. If you can't get the, the proper value back, then I think that you wait one more week. And I think that value increases. Let's move over now, Matt, to buy low players. These are the fun ones here. So let's go to your first buy low player. Who are you looking to go after? I'm enthusiastically still buying as many uh, shares, uh, putting him on as many rosters as possible. It's Jalen Waddle the rookie wide receiver out of Miami. This is a guy I felt like he was overlooked uh, through the rookie process here. He was my wide receiver two going out. He's still my wide receiver two uh, from this rookie class. And, and I think he has performed so well. Now it's been difficult to evaluate him because of Tua missing games in the middle of this Miami season. But if you look at Jalen Waddle, 76% catch rate, that's fourth among wide receivers with at least 25 targets. He's tied for 12th in wide receiver targets. We want volume. Volume is always key for fantasy football. 10.5 PPR points in the four games that Tua has played. Uh, three touchdowns in the four games with Tua. 
42% of Tua's passing touchdowns have gone to Jalen Waddle, and he has four games of 60-plus yards. Again, three of those with Tua. And remember, week two, which I am counting in that, uh, Tua barely played at all. So if you pulled that out even further, you would see that we have a really strong connection between Jalen Waddle and Tua. And I know we talked about uh, off the top here, but I am not believing that Deshaun Watson is going to be wearing Miami blue until I absolutely see him. Uh, so I, I'm ready for that connection there between Tua uh, and Waddle to just continue to grow. And even, I mean, even if Deshaun Watson does end up in Miami, it doesn't hurt, the, it doesn't hurt you know, like it doesn't hurt Waddle. Certainly. I love Jalen Waddle. He is absolutely someone that I am looking to get on every dynasty roster that I can. And now, I mean, by low, like it comes with a qualification of saying, you're probably not going to get this guy for dirt cheap, right? You, people spend a first right. round pick on him. He's starting to produce here over the past couple of weeks with Tua. People recognize this. So you're not going to be able to get him cheap. So the question becomes, are you willing to send a 2022 first round pick? Let's call it a, you know, just say it's the middle of the first round. Are you willing to send that pick away to get Jalen Waddle? Yeah, I absolutely am. You know, I think the value on him uh, this year was a late first round pick. That's kind of where his ADP landed. I think he was well worth a mid first round pick. I think at this point, I'm ready to pay a one and a two for Waddle uh, because I think that by the end of the season, you're going to be paying two ones at, at minimum for him. So you're absolutely right. You're not buying him cheap, but you're buying him lower than you're going to have to in six months. Yep, for sure. All right. The player that I'm going to bring up here at the wide receiver position is T Higgins. Now, T. Higgins had a pretty decent game here this past week. Uh, he went for seven receptions, 62 yards, no touchdown uh, in a game where Cincinnati just manhandled Baltimore. But this is the really interesting part is that I have seen on Twitter where people are actually still like frustrated with T. Higgins. They're kind of panicking because you look at the first two weeks of the season when he, when he was healthy, he had four receptions for 58 yards and a touchdown, six receptions for 60 yards and a touchdown. And then he was out weeks three and week four. Came back in week five, only five receptions, 32 yards, uh, three receptions, 44 yards. The next game. He hasn't scored in the past three weeks here. And I think that fantasy managers are starting to get a little bit frustrated here. And I think that this is the opportunity where you can look at taking advantage of someone's frustrations and you can chase volume. T. Higgins is the perfect player. I mentioned seven receptions, 62 yards. He had 15 targets in week seven. He led the Bengals in targets. We talk about Jamar Chase and what he's doing. But T. Higgins has dominated the target share. And I think that this is really important to at least focus into and say we don't chase incredible yards per reception efficiency. We don't chase touchdown production. We chase volume as fantasy managers. So if I can look at someone in my league who is a little bit frustrated here with T. Higgins, they're looking at the Jamar Chase breakout and they're saying that this is causing T. Higgins to now just completely fade to the background. That's not the case. But if you can take advantage of that, then this is the situation where you buy right now. And I think that it can get done for a late first. And if I am in a uh, competing team and I need a, a solid wide receiver too, then I'm going after T Higgins with everything I've got. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Just in general, one of the best points of value you can get is the wide receiver two and a high volume offense, right? And that is exactly what you're looking at with T Higgins. Early second round pick. A lot of folks thought he should have been a first round pick. Uh, coming out of last season, I think he's a perfect buy. The Bengals have thrown the ball the ninth most amount of times in the league so far, and I think that they want to throw it even more than that. So I, I think it is a perfect example of how you can get a discount on volume while everybody is distracted as they should be looking at Jamar Chase's ridiculous production early on as a rookie. It's ridiculous what Jamar Chase is doing, man. <laughs> it is crazy. All right, let's go back to you for your second sell high player. All right, we're going right back to Miami. I told you we'd be talking plenty of Dolphins here today. I am riding on my guy, Tua. I was very high on Tua coming out of last year's class. If it was not for the injury, he would have been my QB1. It ended up being Burrow, Tua, and then Herbert close behind. But look at Tua just the last two weeks series. Uh, 65 for 87, that's 74% completion, 620 yards, Six touchdowns, three interceptions. In week six, QB 11. Week six, QB three. Over the last two weeks, no QB has thrown the ball more than Tua. What did we talk about this whole episode, right? Chase the volume. From last year to this year's completion percentage is up from 64% to 69.5%. And Kyle, he is doing this with PFF's worst offensive line in the league. Right. We, we talked about it. No significant running game to balance him out. And he has one, maybe two, I'm not, I, I shouldn't disparage Mike Gusecki, so we'll say two legitimate targets 
You know Miami is going to do nothing but continue to build this offense, and hopefully either these young offensive linemen come together or they infuse some money into it. If this is what he's doing at rock bottom with support, it can only go up from here. Yep, completely. I mean, there are people that are just completely out on Tua, and I'm just over here like, let's pump the brakes, guys. Like, he's actually been solid. Now, he's made some some uh, head-scratching decisions, right, as far as a couple of weird turnovers here or there. But, like, man, let's let's pump the brakes here. This guy's been good. He's a good quarterback, and there are people that are just completely done with him already, and that just should not be the case. So from a Superflex perspective, I am looking to buy as well. For me, this one, I really can't bring a ton of stats to the table uh, because this player has just been downright terrible. Uh, from a catch percentage, uh, this player has just not been getting the job done in this Carolina offense, but I am going to take a shot from a dynasty perspective. This is what we do. What we have to do in dynasty is we have to kind of read the tea leaves and we have to kind of take shots here at selective points. I'm going after Robbie Anderson this week because I think that there is the strong possibility. If you ask me right now, what is your gut feeling as far as where Deshaun Watson lands at the trade deadline? I think it's Carolina. I think David Tepper, the owner of the Carolina Panthers, is going to be very aggressive and is going to go after Deshaun Watson. So if that is the case, then Robbie Anderson has the potential to see his stock just increase because I want pieces of the Carolina Panthers offense. Now, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. Uh, it, all indications are that Deshaun Watson is going to be able to step right onto the field and play. Now, we don't know if the NFL is going to step in at that point, but I want pieces of this offense. And we know that Robbie Anderson is going to be tied to Carolina for the next couple of years. So I'm talking about a third round pick. A third round pick will get the job done for Robbie Anderson right now because he has just not been producing with this opportunity. And that is a that's a price worth paying to be able to get the potential lottery ticket of Robbie Anderson tied to Deshaun Watson for the foreseeable future. So that's a risk that I'm willing to take right now and send away a third round pick to be able to get Robbie Anderson. Let's go back to you for your third and final uh, buy low player. Yeah, I'm going with Henry Ruggs. And this is a good example here uh, of it could be beneficial for you to buy players that kind of just have left a bad taste in some folks' mouths, right? Like the the Ruggs versus Rager to be, uh, Ruggs underperforming relative to Justin Jefferson in his first season. There's a million reasons why folks just kind of have a sour taste when I mention the name Henry Ruggs. But if you really take a step back and look at it right now, he's wide receiver 31 in PPR. He's wide receiver 39 in points per game. He has 36 targets through seven games. In 13 games as a rookie, he had 43 targets. So we're seeing a considerable amount of, of volume increase uh, for Henry Ruggs. He's slowly working his way into being the top wide receiver on this offense. I did not say target because Darren Waller does still <laughs> exist. Uh, but he's already surpassed his rookie receiving yards. Uh, 469 receiving yards through seven games. It was 452 all of last year. So he's on pace to go over a thousand receiving yards and he only has two touchdowns so far, but I'm hoping that is offset. Derek Carr is fourth in the league in passing attempts. So I'm hoping those touchdowns will just naturally come with volume. We'll kind of regress to that point. Uh, he's getting 69% of team snaps. That's second only to Brian Edwards and the targets are not going to Brian Edwards. Uh, and my last nugget that I have here on Henry Ruggs, he is second in the NFL in yards per reception. So out of players with at least 15 receptions, that is second only to the aforementioned Jamar Chase. So he's going downfield. He's getting volume. We just need it to click all together. Yeah, I mean, well, this does my heart good, man, because Jalen Waddle, Henry Ruggs, I have on a couple of my dynasty rosters. So I am loving this segment from you. You are going to be on every single week now just to be able to talk about my uh, my dynasty teams that make me feel good. But no, I, I completely agree. Henry Bruggs brings that week winning upside every single week because of the the way he's being utilized in this offense, the progression that we've seen from Derek Carr. I think that this is a, a, a smash pick. And especially, too, this is a perfect buy low opportunity because he didn't have a great game this past week. Like he just wasn't involved a ton in a game where I mean, the Raiders put up a ton of points and Henry Ruggs did very little. So I think this is the perfect opportunity to buy load. This guy's still very, very young. We have to remember that just that just because he didn't come out in his rookie year and perform like Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson doesn't make him a bad receiver. So I'm in complete agreement there. The last player here, I mentioned him a few weeks ago, and that is Michael Gallup. And I'm bringing him back up here because he is now about to return off of the injured reserve list. And I think that this is worth mentioning because you want to be able to get these guys who their value is a little bit lower right now. People are, are not really thinking about Michael Gallup because he's just been sitting on their IR spot. 
but he's going to have value week in and week out here as a flex play, maybe a little bit further down just because of the passing volume taking a hit here in, in Dallas. But again, you look forward in Dynasty and Michael Gallup is a, a free agent next year. We talked about him earlier. So I think this is a perfect opportunity and really the last opportunity, in my opinion, to go after Michael Gallup right now and get him on your rosters before his cost increases. All right, that will do it for today's podcast. Uh, looking back at week seven, Matt, thank you so much for coming on, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate having you on. So uh, remind everyone what you got going on, where they can find you and uh, your work. Yeah, absolutely, man. Rookie Big Board Podcast. That is a great spot as we start to get ready for the 2022 NFL draft season. Patreon.com slash the FF Educator. All of my uh, rookie big board, we're already building it out for 2022. We got 100 guys on there already starting to look at how that class is going to shape up. Devi rankings, dynasty rankings, all that good stuff. You can also catch, I do two shows a week. One on uh, Devi, one on college fantasy football. That's on the NFL Draft Bible Podcast Network. Love it, man. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day. Appreciate it. All right, stick around, guys. We have a bonus episode here attached to this one with our friend Trevor Sycamore taking a look at the college football landscape and how it translates to the rookie drafts in 2022. We'll be right back. All right, let's take a look at the college football landscape and how that translates to the NFL draft in 2022 and our dynasty rookie drafts to do that. We brought on a good friend. His name is Trevor Sikama. Of course, he is over at PFF and he can be found on Twitter at Tampa Bay Trey. Trev, welcome back to the Dynasty podcast. Oh, my brother. It is. Uh, we knew that it wouldn't be long, right? I mean, like we, we knew that there were, the distance wouldn't get too far between us with episodes and everything, but it's great to be back. It's great to be talking NFL draft prospects with some new tape because last time you and I talked about a lot of these guys, we were going off last year's tape. I've got a bunch of new stuff to look at. So I'm very, very excited for this sit down. I appreciate you having me back on, man. Absolutely, man. I wanted to take just kind of right in the uh, in the smack dab middle here of the season. I wanted to take a second and just kind of take a look at the college football landscape and how it has changed some risers, some fallers, because, again, you and I did in-depth dives into some of these prospects and the players that we are going to be drafting in 2022. And I wanted to take a look and just see, okay, what has changed? Because I know that every single year, there's these players that come out of nowhere, the Joe Burrows, the Kyler Murrays, like they all just at the quarterback position, they come out of nowhere at the running back position, they do as well. So I wanted to sit down here with you. And there's no one better to do that with what you're doing over there at PFF. So let's just get right into this, man. Let's talk about what the format we're going to do here is we're going to go quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, and we're going to take a look at a riser and faller at each position based on kind of the pre-draft thoughts, the consensus there, or the preseason, excuse me, thoughts and consensus with these players. So let's turn it over to you at the quarterback position. Who is a riser? I mean, I, I think that the biggest riser has to be Pittsburgh quarterback, Kenny Pickett. And, and, and you mentioned, you know, who's going to be the Kyler Murray? Who's going to be the Joe Burrow? I think that that's a question that we've asked ourselves over the last couple of years. And, you know, those guys won Heisman trophies and went number one overall. But so I'm not saying that Kenny Pickett is to that level. But if we're talking about who is that guy who came out of nowhere, who is that player who was a day three afterthought going into the season that is now in first round contention? That's Kenny Pickett. That's what he's doing right now for Pittsburgh. Uh, I was able to I was fortunate enough to kind of sit down with him virtually via Zoom early on in the season and just talk to him about some things because being there as long as he has been, he's a super senior. He's a fifth year guy because of the, the extra COVID year in the red shirt season that he had. Um, you know, he's put up a lot of stats. He's got up a lot of reps, a lot of passing attempts. And because of that, he was about to pass Dan Marino's um, passing yards record going into mm -hmm. the season. And so I sat down with him and I was chatting with him about that. I was like, oh, yeah, this will be cool. You'll be second all time on Pitt's list. But there's no way you're going to catch Alex Van Pelt, who's number one. Uh, he is now easily going to catch Alex Van Pelt, <laughs> it seems, if he does not if he does not get hurt, because this year has been so crazy for him. It's just been night and day. And. I can't really even after even after talking with Kenny, I, I I can't pinpoint anything. It's not like it's not like ooh I changed up my footwork this way or oh my throwing motion's different or ooh I'm watching like tape a little bit differently. He's just like it's clicking. It's just all clicking right. for him now, and that's what happened with Joe Burrow when we saw it a couple of years ago. Yeah, of course he was on an offense that as we're seeing now, Justin Jefferson, Terrace Marshall, Jamar Chase, Clyde Eversley-Lair, that offensive line, Joe Brady is the pass game coordinator. Like all of those things went into what elevated that into a Heisman Trophy, a national championship, a number one overall selection. But if you strip away those other parts, what Burrow was able to do individually and take his game to a next level, 
that is similar to what Kenny Pickett has been doing. He's just not playing on a historically championship <laughs> right. And so you're not seeing exactly the same stats. But he is that guy, man. And, and we got to start talking about Kenny Pickett as a first-round quarterback right now. And the quarterback class, you know, they just updated overall. It ain't great. It, it, it's not looking great. And it's not like there's there's quarterbacks who are really separating themselves as these top five, top ten overall players. And with that being the case, and Kenny is making a strong, strong case for uh, him being the name that everybody remembers uh, when we go into draft season. That was something that I was going to ask you was just an overall glimpse into the quarterback class, because I mean, from what I've seen and people are releasing 2022 NFL mock drafts like yourself, which you're a psychopath for doing, but I appreciate it. Like what I've seen that quarterbacks are not going typically at the, in these mock drafts at number one overall, they're belonging to an offensive tackle or an edge player like Evan Neal or uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. Like, so at the quarterback position, is it really that I don't want to say bad because we may have been spoiled in years past, but is it really just kind of underwhelming compared to previous years? And where does Kenny Pickett kind of slide into that? Yeah, and I mean, when you look at the last couple of years, I mean, five quarterbacks in 2018, five quarterbacks last year in the top 15, you know, like you said, it, we've been spoiled. And, and so, whereas certainly people will point to trends at the quarterback position saying, oh, there's no way we're not going to get one in the top 10 or the top five. I do think this class is a little bit different. You know, in order to go and find a quarterback class in which we didn't have a guy go top 10, you got to go all the way back to 2013. That's when EJ Manuel um, went, oh, I believe, geez. 16 overall. And so, you know, that that's, that's as far back as you have to go. And that draft right there was the only time since 2001 that we had a quarterback not go in the top 10. So it's not just since 2013. It's it's basically That's the better crazy. part of the 2000s. And so, you know, when you look at that and you, you say, okay, history just tells you that the NFL is going to covet quarterbacks. But when you look at this class, I mean, we were hoping that Spencer Rattler was going to be the guy. He's not. We were hoping that Malik Willis would look better. And he has looked better, but he hasn't looked, you know, Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray are things that you sure. just go, yes, this guy is a top 10 overall pick. He's a good quarterback. I think that he's got the highest ceiling probably right now, but still, it's not, he doesn't give you that conviction that you better mm -hmm. pick this guy or you're not, or you're going to regret it. I mean, we saw last year of a similar mold, a dual threat kind of a guy, a guy who presented you a high ceiling and a high floor with both what he could do with his arm and his legs. We saw what the NFL did with Justin Fields. I would have told you Justin Fields was a no-brainer top three pick, top five pick last year, and it didn't end up happening. And so Malik, I wouldn't even say is of Justin Fields' level. And if Justin Fields didn't go in the top ten, right? You right. know, you got to think, okay, that, that that goes into effect too. You look at other guys, Sam Howell playing without his four main weapons from last year. You were hoping to see him elevate his team and continually do that. He has played well. But he hasn't been this consistent elevator of the team. Matt Corral, you love his game. He's putting up the stats. He's a gunslinger kind of guy. I think a lot of people are going to fall for him. But there's decent questions of what he's going to be like once he gets out of that Lane Kiffin system. Because Lane does. Makes it pretty simple for his quarterbacks as long as they have confidence. And so, you know, those are just a handful of the names that we went into the season thinking, okay, maybe these guys can be top five, top three, maybe number one overall picks. And so far, that's just not the case. You mentioned, you mentioned a name in there. Uh, that I am almost 100% positive we are going to talk about here as the faller at the quarterback position. So who's the faller at the quarterback position this year? Big one has to be uh, Spencer Rattler, you know, and, and I, I don't want to be too hard on him because you look at this kid and, and he's obviously very talented. He has an incredible arm. It's just his second year as a starter, but the decision making really right off the bat, very first game that they played, I believe it was against Tulane uh, or Tulsa, one of those two schools. I always get them mixed up where it's like the second play of the game and he's throwing deep into triple coverage across his body, across the field. And it's like, my guy, right? That is literally, you can't, you can't get away that, with that. That is literally all you, all you had to do was eliminate those throws from your game. And you would have been a top 10, top 15 pick guaranteed. And instead the year has gone on. And when Spencer has been clicking, has it looked good? Yes, of course it looks good. I think he's got an incredible arm, but those decision-making things, those, it's almost kind of that same thing where it's like, this is why Jameis Winston scared people when he was in Tampa Bay. You know, right, it's just, right. he could not stop doing that. And I'm not saying that Spencer Rattler can't get that out of his game, but he is certainly running out of time now, right? Because now, as we record this podcast, he's been benched for freshman Caleb Williams. And I don't think Caleb's going to relinquish that job. I don't think we're going to see Spencer Rattler in an Oklahoma uniform again, unless mm -hmm. Caleb gets hurt. And so I think that Spencer's either going to transfer to some other school or declare for the draft, which, oh, Ooh, boy. boy. I mean, yeah. if he declares for the draft, I mean, we might be talking about we might be talking about a day three guy. I oh, really yeah, don't know. For sure. I think yeah. Everybody out there might be thinking that's crazy, but 
he's got to be the biggest faller because he was the number one overall pick guy going into the season. Now he might be a day three guy. Yep, that's scary, man. I think that I don't think that we're going to see him in the 2022 NFL draft. I think that we wait another year, right? He's got to, he's got to land somewhere else. He's got to fix this uh, because, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think he's getting that job back. So, all right, let's move on to the running back position here. Who is a riser? There were some some people that you and I loved at the running back position. We agreed on Kyron Williams, but there's been a few that have emerged here in this running back class. So a riser at the running back position this year. Love Kenneth Walker, the third, the running back yep. from Michigan State. Um, Bijan Robinson uh, from Texas. He he is not draft eligible. He's a true sophomore right now. But right now it is Bijan Robinson and Kenneth Walker the third neck and neck for most forced missed tackles uh, when it comes to this season. And they're both on averages right now. When you look at forced missed tackles per attempt, when you look at PFS database, they are both top five. Like in the last five or six years of That's crazy. Of, of of how much they are making guys miss and breaking tackles. And you love to see that with Kenneth Walker and and. He, th- this Michigan State, I firmly believe, is on his back right now when it comes to that top 10 ranking that they have in the AP poll. I mean, they are running it through Kenneth Walker. That Miami game is just going to be an absolute glory of tape that people go back to watch whenever he declares for the draft. Uh, so he's got to be the guy that, you know, he, he's moving up to the top of the list because I don't believe either of us selected him when we did our... Oh, we, I didn't um, even watch him. No, I didn't right, even when, scout when, him. When we did our uh, uh, running back draft uh, earlier this summer. So we weren't even thinking about Kenneth Walker. And here he is really standing out as one of the best backs in the country, one of the best backs in this uh, draft class. So I think that he's got to be the guy that you name here because he honestly, he could be this RB1 in this class. So from a dynasty perspective, I want to ask you this, because the things that I've heard about this class, and again, don't have time to dive into tape during the season, but it's kind of an underwhelming class as well at the running back position is what I've heard. Now, they're still solid players, but again, in comparison to like 2020 or even 2021, like just not as solid of a class is at least what I've heard. So where does Kenneth Walker slide in there right now? If you were doing a dynasty rookie draft, is he going 101 or is he like a top five pick in that area? I don't hmm. I don't know if he'd be like a one because the thing the thing with Kenneth Walker and the thing with this running back class in general is we're all kind of starving for athletes right now. Like mm-hmm. w- like we're trying to find where those guys are. And yeah, okay, like if you if you believe in Isaiah Spiller and how athletic he is for his size, okay, that's nice. That's the reason why I had Eric Gray, the running back from Oklahoma, pretty high in my preseason rankings because I just thought he had higher athleticism than everybody else. But when you look at like Kenneth Walker. Kyron Williams, Brees Hall, like um, Brian Robinson Jr., Zonovan Knight, like these running backs that we looked at these guys going into the season where it's like, okay, yeah, there's definitely things I like about their game, but they're not bringing you that top tier athleticism. Like they're not even bringing you that like Najee Harris, Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, like all those top guys who we love in the NFL and who are so effective because they can kick it into another gear. I don't, it's hard to find a back who is able to do that in this class. And so I think that you're going to get a lot of separation and a lot of different opinions there. But, you know, I think that Kenneth, depending on what situation he goes to, maybe you'd be selecting him at the top of dynasty drafts. But I I think you'd really, it's not like you can watch Kenneth Murray or not Kenneth Murray, (laughs) Kenneth Walker in college and say to yourself, I'm picking that guy at the top of the draft, no matter what situation aside, you really do have to wait for it. He's not like, well, like I said earlier, with Texas, Bijan Robinson. If Bijan Robinson was in this class, you could do a dynasty draft next week and draft right, him right. 101 and, and not even have any second thoughts about it. I'm not so sure that's the case with Kenneth Walker, even if I do like him as a potential RB1 in this class. It's a really valuable conversation that helps us put it into into our uh, a framework, a solid framework here of how we should be viewing this class and Kenneth Walker specifically. Let's move to the faller at the running back position. Who is someone that is tumbling down your rankings? I mean, two of these guys that I already kind of listed, I I had Kyron Williams as my RB1 going into the season, and I had a little bit of athleticism concerns. And, uh, you know, I I don't think that Kyron Williams has been bad. I just think that certainly with a worse offensive line now in front of him in Notre Dame, which, oh boy, that's one of the worst offensive lines at Notre Dame that I've seen in a while. he, He does not have the athleticism to make up for poor offensive line play where other running backs have in years past. And so it's... Maybe this is my own fault. So it's it's maybe maybe Kyron's less of a faller and more of just he didn't really ascend to what I maybe hoped that he could be. But he just he kind of is what it is. Yeah, he's a phenomenal pass blocker. He's got great heart in that area. He's got good hands. He's going to be a fantastic third down scat back. But 
he just doesn't have that overall athleticism across the board to really make up for poor offensive line play. You stick him behind a good offensive line, I think he can do a lot of good things for you. But he is O-line dependent, so that's why I think I'm a little bit lower on him than what I was going into sure. the season. And the other running back, I think, is Eric Gray. I mentioned him. Man, Eric Gray getting, I thought that he was going to get the start in Oklahoma, and I thought that he was going to be running wild all over those soft Big 12 defenses, and that just has not been the case. Um, he, he has not looked as explosive as he was at Tennessee. I think that he's a little bit hesitant there with his role and his rotation there in that Sooners offense. And so I was really high on Eric Gray because, like I said, in, in the summer, I was looking for athletes. Mm-hmm. I was looking for some somebody who would really stand head and shoulders above the rest when it came to an athletic standpoint and athleticism that he could bring to the table. I thought that Gray had that at Tennessee. I just wanted to see it in a full-time running back role, and I, I just haven't yet. So I think that I'm knocking both of those guys down a little bit in my rankings here. Yeah, and this is the the purpose of doing summer scouting, is to be able to just kind of get a framework for these guys. All right, what are the guys, if they do take the proper steps, can they become valuable players in the NFL? And sometimes that doesn't happen, right? And even we see that with players that we do feel extremely confident in tape. Uh, you know, even going after their their season where they declare and we do the tape leading up to the NFL draft, they get into the NFL and they don't progress. It happens. So be, I was right there with you with Kyron Williams. So you and I both had him as RB1. So I'm interested to get back to when I get to tape to see exactly what you're seeing there and exactly what has happened with him. Let's move on to the wide receiver position. We've talked about the quarterback class, the running back class, both of them kind of underwhelming here. But from everything that I've heard, man, the wide receiver class is living up to the hype. So who is a riser at the wide receiver position? Yeah, you're right. I, so I'm going to name three and I'm going to be quick because right. I got to shout out all three of these guys. Drake London, USC wide receiver. Unbelievable. I think you and I went through this exercise um, during the summer where I said, I wasn't going to call Mike Evans. I wasn't going to do that. I was not going to bring the Mike Evans comp to the table and uh, where I still think that Mike Evans showed a little bit more separation, a little bit more athleticism at his size when he was coming out of Texas A&M. Uh, there ain't anybody in the country that's that's converting on contested catches like Drake London. And it's it's hard to bet on guys whose bread and butter is truly just catching through contact. It's just, it's an unreliable thing uh, in most cases. Well, Drake London ain't most cases. I mean, he is just absolutely shattering the lead when it comes to contested catch targets, contested catch percentage, and how you just, it's truly that, ah, screw it, Drake down there somewhere. And Slovis just throwing the ball and Drake's just coming down with it. And so, uh, unbelievable there. If you need a possession, big bodied X type of receiver who also has a lot of experience in the slot, I got to say, is a big slot guy. Drake London's your guy. New Orleans, New Orleans, pay attention. Yeah, there you go. got Jameis there. (laughs) <laughs> David Bell, the wide receiver out of Purdue. I had my reservations about David Bell going into the season. I wondered if he was just kind of just a guy. Because, again, as you're looking for athleticism to pop out during summer scouting, I thought David Bell was fine. I thought he was like he could he could check the boxes. It's not like I yep. thought he was a terrible athlete. But I didn't see this plus athlete, this elite kind of separator, whether it was quickness with his feet or just overall speed, short area acceleration, those kinds of things. I didn't see that from David Bell. I didn't see... Yeah, that long speed that was like, okay, very evident. That's the calling card to his game. He was just a dang good wide receiver. And you know what he's been this season? He's been a dang good wide receiver. And he's been (laughs) even better with Rondell Moore no longer there at Purdue. They're giving him a lot of Rondell Moore type targets, these short bubble screens, these short slants that he's been able to take for a lot of yards and a lot of production. So I think he's on his way up. And then the other guy in a similar mold, Kentucky's wide receiver, Wandale Robinson, started his career at Nebraska was a running back to start, but he didn't really want to play running back. He always wanted to play that slot receiver role. Now he is fully entrenched in that as a transfer to Kentucky. And with Kentucky having a pass game with Will Levis at quarterback now, Wandale Robinson has been uh, a big-time benefactor of that. They are getting the ball in this guy's hands early and often, and he is making magic after the catch. Uh, he gives you that Rondale Moore type of feel when you watch his tape, which is funny because he actually grew up training with Rondale Moore. And so Rondale huh. and him were going back-to-back, head-to-head when they were training up against each other. He said that uh, Rondale's a freak athletically, but Wandale said, yeah, I got him in a couple of races sometimes. So that just kind of tells you where Wandale is uh, on the athleticism uh, spectrum. So those are three guys that I think have been really great this season, made a lot of money for themselves. Let me let me double back to Drake London here because I want to know where exactly you're viewing him in this class, right? Because you've got some fantastic guys of... Garrett Wilson and uh, Chris Olave at Ohio State. And then there are some other key names, Traylon Burks. Like there are other some there are some other key names here at the wide receiver class. So where does Drake London slide into that? Has he risen so far for you that he is now like wide receiver one in this class? Or is he moving up into the top five territory, top 10? Where exactly are you? Are you putting him? I mean, it's it, it's so hard with um 
when, when you when you kind of look at a really deep and talented position group and you say like, OK, where does he rank? Because when you go back to well, this was the 2020 NFL draft, right? The one that was Judy and C.D. Lamb and yes. Justin Jefferson mm-hmm. and Henry Ruggs. And you could sit here and you could ask everybody who's an NFL draft fan. You could go, give me your top four wide receivers. And they'd go, uh, OK, um, Jerry, Judy, C.D. Lamb. Uh, Henry Ruggs, Justin Jefferson, and the immediate result and the immediate reaction would be like, "You got Justin Jefferson at four? And then right, if you ask somebody right. else, you go, "Okay, who's your four? Uh, Justin Jefferson, uh, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb. You got C.D. Lamb at four? Exactly, so it, exactly. It's, those are the conversations that everybody kind of has with wide receiver. And man, you mentioned some of the names there: Chris Olave, John Mechie, Garrett Wilson. All those guys are playing so well. You throw in Traylon Burks too. I mean, oh, I mentioned Wandale Robinson, David Bell. All of a sudden, you've got all of these players that are really, really solid, and you go, okay, where is Drake London's name fit? And I think that when you look at these wide receivers and and what's available right now, I would say the tier one group, the the, the group of players that could be extremely good contributors for you as a wide receiver one or a wide receiver two, it's, I mean, it's deep, man. I, I think that that group is really, really deep. And so... It really depends on what kind of wide receiver you are looking for. Obviously, right, if you need right. a speed wide receiver, you're not drafting Drake London, right? But like, if if you're looking for a more big body wide receiver, kind of a contested catch guy, maybe like a Mike Williams. We're seeing like how Mike Williams has been used lately. I'm not so sure that Drake London has uh, the field stretching ability that Mike Williams does, but we've seen how well Mike Williams has played and how high he went in the NFL draft. I feel like Drake London could be that type of player as well if he tests well enough athletically. So. I, st- I don't think that Drake London's wide receiver one. He wouldn't be wide receiver one for me right now, but it's hard for me to totally push back on for other sure. people who have him as wide receiver one because of how consistent he has been converting those contested catches. So he's not my wide receiver one, but he's certainly in a group where I, I had him in the first round. Absolutely. Of my latest mock draft that came out. Cause I think that he could be in that kind of conversation. Ultimately, it all just comes back to saying like this is a deep wide receiver class. You know, you mentioned a handful of names there and there are going to be players that emerge as we dive into, you know, from January through April. Like there are going to be players that emerge even after, you know, the players that we talked about here that come up and rise at the rankings as well. So it just goes to prove that this is a deep wide receiver class. If you are a dynasty roster that is in need of some youth at the wide receiver position, you got a handful of draft picks. This is looking like a good one for you. Let's go to the fallers at the wide receiver position. Who is one player or a handful of them that you want to mention that are taking a tumble down the consensus rankings? So I have two, and they're a little bit different. One that's that's just a clear faller is uh, Indiana's wide receiver, Ty Freifogel. Uh, he was kind of of the same mold that Drake London was, where he was a big contested catch guy. And it felt like when Michael Penix Jr., the quarterback at Indiana, when he needed a big-time catch, he was going to Ty Freifogel, and Freifogel was delivering, whether it was over the middle or to the sideline or Whatever was going on there, it was just in, in 2020, Fry Fogel was his guy. And he was very, very impressive at that contested catch rate. Really has fallen off this year. Not been nearly as consistent. And uh, I think both of them have dealt with injuries. Michael Penix Jr. certainly has. And so Indiana's not really having the year that they were hoping they would. But a big reason for that is definitely in the beginning of the year when both of these guys were healthy, Fry Fogel was just simply not as reliable as he was before. And so when you're a guy who does not separate very well, you make your, you make your name off contested catches and you start really lowering that contested catch percentage. You don't bring a ton to the table. So I, I think that unfortunately this has been a down year for Fry Fogel. The other one, and it kind of depends how you look at it. Like if you're looking at it from a dynasty format, maybe he's not necessarily a faller. But in terms of the NFL draft, I would say that by proxy, George Pickens not being out on the field, the wide receiver from Georgia, him not being out on the field is really given way to so many other wide receivers making a name right. for themselves this season. And uh, George Pickens tore his ACL during early spring practice this past spring. So he, that's why he has not been on the field. But over the first two years of his career, his freshman and sophomore season was dominant, man. I mean, he was a dominant wide receiver so, one for Georgia. So I really wish he could have been a part of this Georgia team so far. I mean, there's a chance if they're really playing into January for the national championship, the George Pickens could come back because that would kind of be the timetable for it. I have no idea whether or not that's possible, but I would just say that him not being out there and it's not really a fault of his could lead to him not getting drafted as high as he would have with a fully healthy season. Now in dynasty, if you're looking for a dynasty play, I don't know if that'll matter too much because I think that he's certainly going to continue to play football and he's going to be healthy and he's going to be better again. But that's just something to keep in mind. Yep, for sure. All right, let's move on to the tight end position. You told me beforehand, like 
not exactly the strongest group uh, coming out, and it typically isn't. So uh, we don't have a Kyle Pitts in this class. <laughs> so let's take a look at the tight end position. Who is a riser for you? And if you want to hit the follower at the same time, that's perfectly fine. Yeah, so my riser, I'm going to go with Trey McBride, the tight end from Colorado State. Uh, he is just really an all-around tight end. Guy who block his ass off. He can play in on early downs. You can sneak him in as a... Uh, as a pass catcher on play action, he but he can also be a focal point. Uh, you know, he's not going to be a guy that's burning any deep down the field. Like you said, he's not going to be this vertical stretcher, even if you don't think about Kyle Pitts. I mean, uh, and Albert Okawebunam, and Noah Fent, or, or whatever it is, these guys who are these vertical seam busters. I mean, he's not going to be that kind of a player, but he's very reliable. And I mean, I'll put it to you this way. I, I believe it was against oh, Toledo, I think, that were playing earlier this year. Uh, Colorado State had 110 passing yards and Trey McBride had 109 receiving yards. <laughs> he had all the one yard of their entire passing offense and they won that game. And it's just they've been force feeding the crap out of this guy. And I mean, he has been delivering. Absolutely. So he is a player who in, is an all around tight end. I think NFL teams are really going to love. I don't think he's going to be a first rounder or anything, but I do think that he's got a chance to be a day two player uh, that somebody really invests in, especially as we're seeing the NFL get more creative with heavy, heavy personnel packages and utilizing play action and things like that. Getting a guy who could play on the field on all three downs, I think is important. And then the guy that I have falling, Joel Billingsley, the, the tight end from Alabama. He, he was the guy who, you know, we kind of thought, all right, Irv Smith, OJ Howard, this guy's the next in line, right? The, the next athletic tight end that we're looking forward to getting to the NFL. And before the season even began, he got in, he got in Nick Saban's doghouse a little bit, I guess, you know, it was practice reports of, uh, you know, him being, benched in practice or demoted in practice and and Saban kind of said like well he's got to I'm paraphrasing here but basically like he's got to take it more seriously like he's he's got to he's got to prove to us that he's gonna buy in and that's like okay that's uh that's not what you want to hear from uh but your potential tight end one and you know when he's been on the field I think the Billingsley has been fine but he's he's been on the field sparingly over the last couple of years and this was supposed to be his big breakout year a lot of people had him as a potential tight end one, and he just hasn't lived up to that, uh, not just in performance, but also in snap count and opportunity. So it feels like a really weird year for Billingsley, and we're all kind of sitting here. If you're betting on him, you're still betting on hope. You know, you're still betting on almost what you haven't seen consistently. So uh, those are my those would be my two rising ballers from tight ends. Perfect, man. I appreciate you coming on man, and just giving us a a lowdown here of what's going on in the college football landscape and how that impacts dynasty rookie drafts next year. Again, we'll see so many players either return or declare early. The conversation will shift so much over the next. Oh, man, are we getting in like are we actually getting close to draft season? I think you're going to make the argument that it's always draft season, but it's always draft season, but we're getting close to that, man. So I am excited. Uh, we'll definitely have you back on here soon. Remind people what you got going on over at PFF, because I know that a lot of people want to keep up with college football and you guys are killing it. Yeah, we're really starting to get in the swing of stuff. Uh, you know, we've got our our live shows that we do every Friday previewing the college football slate. That's at 11 a.m. Eastern on PFF's YouTube and Twitter account. So come hang out with us, get in the chat, get in on the show there. But when it comes to the NFL draft, man, we've got some great tools already. We're already putting out big boards and mock drafts and everything on the site. But man, that mock draft simulator, we're, we're already making upgrades to it. Uh, you can already access it. You can already start drafting for your favorite team. And we're only going to be adding that. I can't say exactly what we're doing yet, but I'm super, super excited about it. We actually just had a meeting about it this morning. And so be checking in for that uh, over at PFF.com. Uh, I'll be sure to let you guys know uh, when, when those are up as well. That's awesome, man. Love the tease there. Uh, you always got to tease something when you come on a different podcast. You have to. Gotta, it's just you good business, to. you know? Obligation. Obligation, man. All right. That'll do it for today's episode. For Trevor Sikama, I'm Kyle Yates, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Football Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy Pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound... 
Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening.